This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, I'm Latoya Edwards, and welcome to Mommy Jamie's Night. This is going to be a great place to just relax and chat with other moms. So I hope you have on your comfy jammies, you've got your snacks, whatever you want to drink, and don't forget your box of tissue as we get ready for a time of fellowship and encouragement. I can't wait for you to meet my friends. I just know that you will be blessed by their stories and what they have to share. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Molly Jamie's Night. And I'm so excited to have Connie Hughes from Smocky Frucks as uh, my guest today. And she's going to be talking about having the courage to allow God to do amazing things in your life. And I'm very excited to hear um, this talk. And I am sure that we're all going to be just blessed immensely. So welcome to the show, Connie. So go ahead and get started. Thank you, LaToya, and I just want to say thank you for inviting me. I'm honored to be included as a guest, especially seeing everyone who's hosted so far and and all the people who are scheduled to host. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I want to talk to everyone tonight about extreme faith, having the courage to allow God to do amazing things in your life. Um, maybe you've heard of extreme sports. It's uh, I saw a documentary one time about these crazy athlete to do these illegal sports like rappelling off the Empire State Building or, uh, you know, parachuting off the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's illegal to do those things because of safety reasons. So they have to, you know, go on these covert missions and maybe it's at night and they have to sneak, you know, up to the Golden Gate Bridge with their parachutes on and then they have a van at the bottom who will you know, scoop the people up when they land and they run and get in the van and, you know, they zoom off and then it shows the people on the documentary and they're like, yes, awesome, you know, and they're just like pumped up that they did this extreme thing of parachuting off the Golden Gate Bridge or whatever, whatever the extreme sport was. And when I was watching that documentary, I thought that is nuts. Why, why would anybody do something like that? And so on the documentary, you know, the interviewer asked the people, why do you do this? And they said, well, for the adrenaline rush and also for the notoriety, like we have this community where we're, you know, looked favorably upon because we do these extreme things and we get away with it and it's just, it's something crazy and risky and dangerous and and that's why we do it. So I wanted to compare that to extreme faith. Um, If you're listening tonight, maybe you're a homeschooler and Maybe your neighbors think, that is nuts. Like, why? Why would you do something like that? Like, they have a school in town that you can send them to. Or, you know, maybe you make your own toothpaste and your family thinks, honey, you can buy that at the store. Why? Why would you make it? Um, And I'm talking about doing things that are difficult for us. And we do it not for the notoriety, not for the adrenaline rush, but to glorify God is how we do it. Having extreme faith is depending on God when we know we can't do it ourselves. To glorify him, that's the reason. Um, I want you to think about uh, people in the back then days, is what my kids call it. I'm using finger quotes. Back then was, you know, between the Renaissance and the modern day, when everybody wore bonnets, you know, they drove in covered wagons. My kids think that's called back then. Um, it Really, any time before the modern day, People had to really live and exist on extreme faith. They couldn't pull out their iPhone and get their map app, you know, their Google Maps app to see how to get 
you know, on to where they were going maybe to see where the hospital was because their child was sick or they couldn't pull up um, a website to see what to do if their child was running a fever and, you know, has red dots on their face. They really had to rely more on God than we do now. Um, I read that since the days of Little House on the Prairie that Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote to today, we've gone from covered wagons to the moon, literally, to landing on the moon. So there's been so much progress that's happened and so much technology in that time period that we really don't have to rely on God all that much, do we, if you think about it? Think about Laura Ingalls and her family. If you have read those books, they packed everything they owned into a wooden box with wooden wheels, and they attached two mules to the front, and they all got in that, that wooden box on wheels, and they giddy-upped right across the prairie. And they they didn't have a Google Map app. They couldn't even they couldn't even look up what the weather was going to be like. They knew that they couldn't stop at Walmart on the way to get groceries. They really had to practice extreme faith and just rely on God. So much so, they actually had a baby boy named Frederick during their journeys, and he died because, you know, they didn't have any means to get medical attention to him and, uh, or to take him to the hospital. You know, they couldn't call 911. So before the modern day, back then, as my children would say, I think it was more common for people just to rely on the Lord so much more because that's what they had to do for their every day. And we don't we don't really have to do that today. And so I think it's harder for us to practice extreme faith or really any kind of faith at all because we, we rely on ourselves for so much and on our technology and on our iPhones. We have everything we need, we feel like, right on our iPhone. Um, that is until we come up against something that we cannot do. Has anyone ever out there ever had given birth naturally with no medication? Yeah, that will leave a lasting impression. I've had, I've, I have eight children. Six of mine I've had with no medication, no pain relief, no drugs. And I'm here to tell you that hurts like a big dog. <laughs> um, you know, the Bradley Method, if you've read that book, calls it pressure. I'm using my finger quotes again. But I'm here to tell you it's, it's outright pain. It hurts to have a baby with no drugs. And whenever I'm doing that, every time I've had a baby, I always think to myself, I'm not going to say those two words that I always say right at the end, you know, right when I'm in transition. I'm not going to say it. But every time I have said, I can't, I can't, I can't do it, I can't. And, you know, I have two kids that do that every day during math time. Maybe you have those two kids too. But um, it's during those times when we think and we realize, I can't do this. I really can't. That's when extreme faith kicks in. And we have to rely on God just like Laura Ingalls did, you know, in that covered wagon, not knowing what the weather was going to be like. We have to rely on God then. And and during my birth, when I've said those words that I tell myself every time I'm not going to say, my husband's always right by my shoulder, whispering in my ear, yes, you can. You can do it. Yes, you can. And he has told me, look, you're doing it. You're doing it right now. And you were designed to do this. God made your body to be able to do this, and you're doing it. And sure enough, every time the baby came out, you know, there wasn't a single time that uh, the baby never came out. So I had to rely on God during those times, though, 
and practice my extreme faith, um, it's easy to think when we bump up against something that's hard like that, it's easy to think I can't do it. No, I just can't. I can't do it. Maybe you think I'm not patient enough. I'm not organized enough. I cannot teach algebra. Um, I, I, you know what? Sometimes I think I can't do anything extraordinary. I can't do anything great. I'm just an ordinary person. There's nothing special about me, and I'm not. I'm not being humble. I'm, I'm telling y'all right now, there's not a single thing that is special about me. Um, I remember several years ago when Whitney Houston died, and my teenage daughter was on Facebook, and she said, "Who's Whitney Houston?" Everybody's saying, "Rest in peace, Whitney Houston." Who is she? And so I told her, oh, my word, she's the most amazing singer ever. You have got to hear her voice. So I went to YouTube, and, you know, we looked up Whitney Houston, and I found a video of her singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. And, you know, of course, her voice was just amazing, you know, like no other. And it, it, the camera did a close-up of her face, her face. Her teeth were, you know, they were absolutely perfect, like white and uniform in size. And, you know, she was just a picture of beauty and talent. I mean, just gorgeous. And she has long legs. And, you know, when I saw that, I just thought how amazing and how amazingly talented and beautiful she was. And I thought, you know what, if I had been born Whitney Houston, I could rock it for Jesus Christ. If I had been born Whitney Houston, I would tell those organizers at the Super Bowl, I'll sing the national anthem, and then I'd get out there and sing, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. That's what I would do if I was Whitney Houston. But, you know, look at me. I'm Connie Hughes. I'm nothing special. What can I do that's extraordinary? Nothing. In fact, (laughs) when I was in high school, I tried out for cheerleader, and the judges, you know, they all wrote, on little pieces of paper, our score and, and some tips and things that they noticed about our performance or whatever, one judge wrote two words in the comments section, heavy thighs. Yeah, try to get over that when you're 14 years old. You'll carry that with you for a lifetime. So, you know, I I I can't be Whitney Houston. I can't be extraordinary. I have heavy thighs. You know, what what in the world can I do that is extraordinary? Even with extreme faith, I can't do anything special. It's so easy to get caught up in that trap of thinking that. And a a few months ago, or I guess it's been a year or so ago now, I heard Sally Clarkson. I went to her mom heart conference, and I heard her say, God delights in using ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. And right then I thought, yes! Yes, I can do that. I'm all in because you know what? I can be ordinary. That is what I'm about. I can do that. And I was so excited to hear that. God can use me because I am ordinary to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. And that was so exciting for me to hear. And maybe there's somebody out there listening to this who feels the same way. You know, you're just ordinary. But God can use you to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. Um, there are some examples in the Bible of this very thing, and um, I just want to give a little shout-out, a little commercial for the Bible real quick before I go on. If you haven't read the whole Bible from front to back, that's a very good goal to set for yourself. And I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm 47 years old, and 
I had never read the whole Bible from front to back, and nobody had ever told me, you you really should do that because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Until a couple years ago, Amy Gross, who writes Mom's Toolbox, and she runs the Bible in 90 Days program, she contacted me and asked me to blog about reading the Bible in 90 days. And I said, Amy, I can't do that. You know, I don't have time. I'm not organized enough. I have all these children that I homeschool. And she really encouraged me and said, Connie, just think how many people might follow your example and you might impact them to read the Bible. And so I said, okay, I'll try it, but it's not going to work. I'm not, I'm just, I can't do it. I can't. Well, I tried it. You know, I dove in head first and I tried it and I actually got through the entire Bible. I didn't do it in 90 days. It took me 101 days. But I'm still proud to say I've read the Bible from cover to cover. And I was so proud of myself. And I'll tell you, there's so much encouragement and just so much to hang on to when you read the whole Bible and just to see the whole story of God's plan. It's really amazing. So I'm encouraging you, if you're listening, to read the Bible from cover to cover. You can do it. You can. You really can. So anyway, in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, there's the story of Moses, and maybe you're familiar with this. God His people, the Israelites, are in bondage, and they're serving the Pharaoh. They're slaves, and they're being mistreated, and God chooses Moses. You're going to go to the Pharaoh, Moses, and you're going to speak for me, and I will put the words in your mouth, and you're going to tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses says to God, I can't. I'm just, you know, I'm just not that great of a speaker, and I really can't do it. And it's, I think it's kind of comical that Moses is telling God, like, listen, God, I know you made me and all that, but you probably don't know this about me, but I'm, I just can't speak very well. Um, so God tells him, no, Moses, you are going to go to the Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. And Moses tells him, no, I can't. I'm, I'm slow of speech, and I can't do it. Um so God, three times, three times God says, yes, you're going to go. And three times Moses says, I can't do it. I'm, I'm just not that good. And so the last time Moses said to the Lord in, in chapter 4, verse 10, Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. You know, that's just like how I feel. You know what? I have a heavy thighs, God. Look what you have given me to work with. I'm just, there is nothing special about me. Well, look at the next verse if you're looking at your Bible. Um, The Lord, and it says, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. Now, that is that is very serious. I know it's not popular to talk about that God gets angry, but it's actually in the Bible if you read. And you know what? I don't want the anger of the Lord to burn against me. If God calls me to do something and I feel the urging in my spirit that God is wanting me to do this thing, I don't want to tell God, no, I can't. I'm just not that good at it. God knows me. God made me. And um, anyway, it says, uh, who, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or who makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And, you know, sometimes I feel like God is saying that to me. I want you to homeschool these children. And I say, God, I just, 
I'm not that organized. I'm not very patient. You know, I just can't. I can't. And God is saying, go. I will give you. I will help you and speak, and I will teach you what to say. That's what God, I feel like, is saying to me, the same as he said to Moses. Moses had had to have extreme faith because he knew that he, on his own, couldn't do anything extraordinary. But God can do something amazing. Through God, Moses could do it. Um, The next example in the Bible is Gideon. In Judges chapter 7, maybe you know this story. God tells Gideon, I want you to defeat this army that's um, against my people. So you gather up all of your men and you're going to defeat this army. So Gideon does what the Lord says and he gathers up 23,000 people. And um, the Lord said to Gideon, there are too many men. And, um, oh, I just lost my place. Hold on a second. Uh, Anyway, the Lord tells Gideon, there are too many men. If you defeat the army with that many men, um, the the people will say, I... I did it. Look what I did. Okay, here, here, he says, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. Or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So he said, well, I'm sorry, it wasn't 23,000. It was 22,000. So he said, 22,000 is too many. I want you to narrow it down. And he had Gideon narrow down his army until there were only 300 men to defeat this, you know, huge other army. And that way, everyone would know Gideon's army didn't win, but God won. God has done this amazing thing through Gideon. And Gideon had to have extreme faith. Don't you know that people were saying, he is nuts. What is he thinking? He cannot defeat anybody with 300 men. Why is he getting rid of that huge army? But God knew He didn't want the people to boast, look what I have done. He wanted the people to boast, look what the Lord has done through me, through a weak, imperfect person like me. That's what I want people to say about me. Um, What about Jonah, the story of Jonah? You know, God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and you're going to tell all the people there in that city to repent because there's a lot of wickedness going on. And Jonah just says flat out, no, I'm not going. Now, does anybody have a two-year-old? You probably have heard this same argument before. I heard what you told me to do, but I'm just flat out not going to do it. I'm going the other way. I'm going to run from you, just like a two-year-old. And Jonah did. He ran from God. And God, God's purposes will be accomplished. <laughs> if you've read the Bible, you know God's uh, will will be done. So God made Jonah's life so uncomfortable that Jonah decided, I, you know what, I think I will do what God wants me to do. And that's the, I, I model my parenting after that, I think. Um, if my children are telling me no, then um, I, I can make their lives uncomfortable so that they will want to do what, want to obey me. Um, what about the little boy In the New Testament, the little boy with the loaves and the fishes, you know, there were 5,000 people listening to Jesus on the side of a mountain, and it came lunchtime, and nobody had anything to eat except one little boy. He had brought his sack lunch, you know, just for himself to eat. 
a few fish, a few loaves of bread. And he said, here, Jesus, take what I have and make it enough for all these people. Make it enough. Do you feel that way ever in your homeschool or or in your journey, whatever you're doing? God, here is what I have. Jesus, take what I have and please make it enough. Make it enough to feed the emotional needs of everyone in my family. Make it enough to feed the physical needs, to feed everyone's attention who needs a little piece of me, everyone who needs help with their math. I don't have enough. Jesus, please make what I have enough. That little boy had extreme faith. He knew that God delights in using ordinary people with an ordinary sack lunch to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. Now, don't you think that God was glorified that day to take that little boy's little lunch and make it enough to feed everybody? We're still talking about it 2,000-something years later. God can use us as ordinary and imperfect as we are to accomplish his extraordinary purposes and do amazing things. And that's what extreme faith is about. Um, okay, well, those stories are, you know, Bible stories that happened a long time ago. Maybe you're, you're saying, well, that's good, but that's so far removed from my everyday life. I I want to hear something that happens today. So I have some stories, a few stories to tell you from people that are, you know, today. Have you heard of Kisses from Katie? It's a book. It's a blog. Uh, it's about this young girl. She was 18 years old. She was homecoming queen in her high school, you know, super smart, super popular, super pretty, living in America and, you know, an ordinary house and an ordinary family. And she told her parents, I want to go to Uganda and do some mission work, but just for a little while, you know, maybe a few months, maybe a year at the most. And her parents said, yes, that sounds good, you know, just for a little while because you're so smart, you're so capable, you can do so many important things. You know, you go there for a little while, get it out of your system, come back. Well, Katie is still there in Uganda, and she has adopted 13 children. By the time she was 19 years old, she had already adopted 11 girls. And I'm not talking about setting up an orphanage. She actually adopted those girls. She was their 19-year-old mother. Now, you might be thinking, like I was, that is nuts. Who does something like that? You can't do that. And I bet Katie was probably thinking the same thing. I can't. I can't. But Jesus, take what I have and make it enough. That is extreme faith. Um, Maybe you've heard of a lady named Barbara Curtis. When I first started blogging, she was my hero, my mentor. She had a blog called MommyLife.net. She homeschooled her 12 children and wrote about, you know, large family living and homeschooling. And and I read her blog every single day. And I even emailed her, and she emailed me back. You know, I just thought she was awesome, and she really was. Well, Barbara, uh, when she had her seventh child, he had Down syndrome. And they had no idea. They had never had a sonogram. They'd never had the test. So he, you know, she just was handed this little baby boy with Down syndrome. And she thought, how wonderful. God has trusted me 
to be the mother of this special child. How amazing that God chose me to do this. And the whole family just embraced this little boy and loved him. And they, you know, a year or so later had another baby. Well, then um, they came to realize through being parents of a Down syndrome child that there are many, many people who abort their babies because they have Down syndrome, because they think, well, this child is not perfect as the world views perfect, so I'm going to abort this baby. And they were just appalled that 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 is a real reality. And so um, they somehow came into contact with this um, organization that um, talks young mothers or, or mothers into, please don't abort your baby. We'll find somebody to adopt it, that baby. So they got a phone call and said, uh, and they heard, there's this mother that has it. She's pregnant with a child with Down syndrome, and she wants to have an abortion unless there's just, you know, some family crazy enough to want to adopt a baby with Down syndrome. And so they said, yes, we will adopt that baby. And so then, you know, they adopted this little baby that has Down syndrome, and now they have two little boys with Down syndrome. Well, a couple years later, they got another phone call from this same organization, and they said, you know, there's this other lady who's pregnant with a baby with Down syndrome, and she wants to have an abortion, but we told her we might find You're the first person we thought of. And so she said, well, I don't know if I can do it. That would be difficult. And she talked to her family, and they decided, yes, you know, this is God calling us to do this. We'll adopt another baby with Down syndrome. So at this point, they had 11 children. Three of them had Down syndrome, have Down syndrome. So a couple of years later, they get another phone call. And they hear there's this mother, she's pregnant with a child with Down syndrome, and she wants to have an abortion unless there's somebody extreme enough to adopt a baby with Down syndrome. And Barbara told them, no, I can't. That is just, it's too much. You know, I wish I could, and I hope you find another family, but I am just at my limit. I cannot adopt another baby with Down syndrome. I'm sorry. And she hung up the phone. And she turned around, and she said, there stood her daughter. And her daughter said, Mama, how can you say no? God is calling you. This is what God has called you to. That's what you told us, Mama. And she said, you know what? You're right. She picked the phone back up, and she said, yes, we will take that baby. And, you know, I'm sure there are many, many people who think that is nuts. That is extreme. Who can take care of four children with Down syndrome? That is just crazy. And it really is. If you really think about it and put it to paper, that is nuts. It's crazy. But God can do amazing things through somebody who's, who has the courage enough to have extreme faith. And she felt like God was calling her to that. And so she answered yes. I, and you know what? She knew, just like I know, I can't do it on my own. It's like the little boy with the sack lunch, the fish and the loaves knew, this cannot feed 5,000 people. That is just crazy to think these fish and these loaves can feed 5,000 people. But Jesus, take what I have and make it enough. Um. Uh, I have one more story, one more real live person, and this person is very special to me because it's my daughter. A few years ago, uh, she told us when 
her 16th birthday was coming up, and she told us she knew what she wanted for her 16th birthday. And, you know, we said, well, that's great. We want to hear what it is. But just so you know, you know, we can't afford to get you a car or a pony. <laughs> or, you know, we're, we live moderately. We have eight children. We can't afford a lot. But what would you like for your 16th birthday? And we'll see if we can make it happen. And she said, I want to build a water well in Africa. Because she had heard this, these, this organization sent a representative to our church to tell us every so many seconds a person in Africa dies because they, they have to drink contaminated water. And they showed a slideshow of these people, you know, dipping water out of a dirty ditch. And that's just a reality in Africa that people just have to drink dirty water. And it's a reality that people die every day. Every single day people die from drinking contaminated water. And so this organization um, builds water wells to give people clean water. It's called Healing Hands International. And she said, I want to build a water well in Africa. As, and that, that's all I want for my 16th birthday. And we knew that was that cost $5,000 because they had told us, you know, at church. And we said, oh, Madison, that is so wonderful. But you know what? We just don't have $5,000. We cannot we can't we cannot make that happen that's just crazy for us to think of and she said i'm going to raise the money and um we we were like well okay if you think you can raise five thousand dollars and i said well power how are you going to do that and she said i'm going to have a bake sale a bake sale at church and i told her you know because i'm the encouraging type Madison, you cannot raise $5,000 with a bake sale. That is crazy. And it really hurt her feelings. And we had a, a little argument. You know, she said, yes, I can. I said, no, I'm, I'm being a realist here. And she said, you're a pessimist. And I said, no, I'm a realist. You cannot raise $5,000 with a bake sale. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to point out the truth to you. And sometimes the truth hurts. You know, I'm really ashamed that I, I'm telling you all this, but this is really what happened. And I told her, you just, it's not going to happen. You might as well face the facts. Maybe we can donate, you know, $250 in your name or 500 or whatever. And we can, you know, give whatever you earn at the bake sale and put it with that. And that can go toward a water well, but we cannot raise $5,000. So she pretty much left in tears. And I thought, well, I've done my job as a mother, enlightening my daughter to the truth. And um, a couple of days later, I was in her room, and she wasn't in there, and I saw her journal. And so I, you know, I read her journal, and I looked on the last page that she had written on, and it was dated, you know, a couple days before, and it said, Dear God, I want to do big things for you. Why won't she help me? And I knew that was about me, and that was about the water well. And I, I mean, it pierced my heart. It it makes me sad and ashamed just telling you about it right now. But so I went to her. I didn't tell her that I read her journal, so y'all don't don't mention it if you see her. And I, but I told her, um, Madison, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't believe in you. I'm sorry I didn't believe in your dream. What do you want me to do to help you? I want I want to make it a reality. And even then, I thought. You know, it's never going to happen, but she's just going to have to figure it out for herself. So she said, okay, here's my plan. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to stay up all night. She contacted the administrators of the church, and they agreed to let her use the kitchen and the gym and have a huge bake sale, and she got all that, all of that ironed out herself. 
and she said, I'm going to stay up all night because I want these to be fresh and homemade. So she made brownies and cookies and pound cakes. And, I mean, our kitchen was filled to the brim. And she got people to donate. You know, she announced it at church. I'm having a bake sale if you have any goods to donate. And people just came in droves. It was really amazing. The people that came up there with their cookies and their pound cakes and their homemade pies and all the baked goods that they made. And I'm telling you right now, there is a water well in Africa today with a gold plaque on it, and it's called Madison's Well. Because I'm telling you right now, God made it happen through that 16-year-old girl. There is a water well because she knew God uses ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. And she had the courage to allow God to do that amazing thing through her. And it took her to open my eyes to it and to really think, whoa, wow, that is extreme faith. Because I thought, that's crazy, that's nuts. It's just, you cannot do it. It's a fact. It's a reality. That cannot happen. But she had extreme faith and she showed me what extreme faith really was extreme faith believes god can use extraordinary uh, god can use ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes and that's what i want to have i want to have extreme faith i want people to look at me and see she's nothing special she's no whitney houston i can tell you that right now she's an ordinary person but God is using her to accomplish something amazing. I, I want to tell you a quote from Katie of the book Katie's Kisses, or Kisses from Katie. Katie said, People tell me I am brave. People tell me I am strong. People tell me, Good job. Well, here's the truth of it I'm really not that brave. I'm really not that strong. And I'm not doing anything spectacular. I'm just doing what God called me to do as a follower of him. Isn't that what you want to do? I know for myself that's what I want to say. I'm not doing anything spectacular. I'm nothing special. I'm just doing what God has called me to do. And I want to allow I want to have the courage because it does take courage. I want to have the courage to allow God to do amazing things through this ordinary, imperfect, messy, messed up, unorganized, impatient lady right here with heavy thighs. I want God to be able to accomplish something extraordinary with this ordinary person. And that's what extreme faith is and that's what i want to encourage you to do today have the courage to allow god to do something amazing in your life don't say i can't because you know in fact you probably cannot just like my daughter madison you cannot raise you know five thousand dollars with a bake sale that's crazy but don't let that stop you you let your extreme faith Show Jesus your sack lunch and say, Jesus, make this enough. Make this little thing that I have in my hands enough. That's what extreme faith is. 
And that's all I have for you tonight. Thank you for inviting me, Latoya. Oh, that was that was great. I tell you, I got goosebumps when you were telling about your daughter um, and the well. That's just that is an amazing story. So Thank I have you. to tell you, I was laughing in the beginning where you're talking about having babies and how much it hurts because I've had two natural births with my mm-hmm. boys, my oldest son. I had in the car on the way to the birthing center. <gasps> Um, because I am one of those women that births really fast, and you don't know that with your first baby, so you think, Uh like I learned in my Bradley class, oh, 10, 12, 14 hours, you'll have plenty of time. No, my Uh first labor was barely five hours, and I think I pushed for two minutes, and he was out. Um, (laughs) So after that, I vowed that I would never leave my house in labor ever, ever again, and so my Uh second son came along, I had him in the living room, Um, and so yes, it does hurt, like, nothing that you could ever imagine and I remember every single time looking at my midwife going I can't do this I can't do this she's like but you're doing it you're already doing it just keep breathing you'll be just fine and then of course you have you know the beautiful baby um for all of your hard work and I just love how you pointed that out that that's how God works when we say to him you know we can't do something you know we can't and in our own strength but God can do anything that he wants, and he can use anything and anybody, um, even, you know, a homeschool mom that is yeah. feeling overwhelmed and, you know, has the child that's crying over math and you're crying over math and throwing math books against the wall, which you may or may <laughs> not have done uh, this yeah. past year. Um, but that's just, it's so great. It's such an encouragement. So thank you um, for sharing that with us. Well, so you're I have to I'm take- so glad I got to be on. Yes, so happy to have you. So Connie has brought a gift for everyone. Um, She has a devotion called How to Manage Your Mouth, a 30-day wholesome talk challenge. And she's got one um, version for kids and one version, you know, for adults. And she is offering Mommy Jammies ladies um, half off of these devotionals. And if you scroll to the top of the page, the code is there at the top, and you can um, use that to grab your devotions now. So, Connie, you want to tell us a little bit about um, the devotion that you wrote? Okay, sure. Um, I wrote this, really, I wrote it for myself. I wrote the adult version first because um, uh, we had a speaker at church, and he said, you know, he was challenging us to go 30 days only using positive, whatever's beneficial, whatever's uplifting, and um, only only speaking positive things for 30 days, every day for 30 days. And I thought, okay, yeah, I can give that a whirl. It was so difficult. And so I thought, I need help doing this. And I thought, I'm going to write down a scripture every day. I'm going to see if there are 30 scriptures about controlling our tongue or speaking positive things. And I looked and looked, and there are more than 30. But I picked out 30, and I wrote them for myself. And I just realized, you know, I wonder if other people have this struggle like I do. And it's not that I I don't cuss. It's not that. But sometimes I'm a screamer, and sometimes I just am not encouraging to my children. And it's mainly I found myself doing rhetorical questions. Like I walk in, okay, this is a true story. I walk into the kitchen, and there's an entire tub of margarine, like the huge, we buy the, you know, the big ones, dumped out on the kitchen floor, and no one's anywhere around. And I'm like, who did this? You know, and no, of course, nobody admits to it. I'm like, why is there butter on the floor? And so I realized that's not encouraging. That's not uplifting. That's not beneficial. And really, what, what, who's, how are they supposed to answer that? And so I made a devotional book and a journal. There are blank pages 
outlined where you can journal, and I give you little journal prompts, like what is the scripture telling us to do, you know. And then after I wrote the whole thing for adults, I thought, I want my kids to do something like this too because they kind of bicker and fuss with each other. So I wrote a kid's version, and it has lines. And I wrote, they copy the scripture, and I wrote an example in printing and an example in cursive. So you can actually use it as copy work if you do that with your kids. And I used the SOAP format, S-O-A-P, which is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And they copy the scripture, they write their observation, they write their application, and they write their prayer. And I give them prompts, you know, of what do you think this means and what is God saying to you and this and all. Um, And I wrote it, like, from my 7-year-old up to about my 13-year-old. That's who I was focusing on, so that's kind of the age range of that so um you can buy one for adults or one for kids or i've packaged them together in a bundle where you can get a little bit of a discount and then if you use the code jammies i just give you half off of whatever you decide to buy um so thank you all for looking at that awesome that's great so let me have one question i know you talked i think in the middle of your talk you talked about you know, you encouraged us to read the Bible, you know, from cover to cover. So do you have any tips for a busy mom or homeschool mom that, you know, hears you say that and they would love to do that, um, but they just can't figure out how to, how do you fit that in, especially in like a 90 days challenge? Because I have tried and failed that challenge, I think, five times. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard because 90 days, you know, that's, uh, that's a short time span. Um, I got up 45 minutes earlier than my normal getting up time. I tried to get up 45 minutes before I knew the first kid was going to rise. And I just, I and I hate to get up early. I'm a night owl, so I do not like to get up early, but I just forced myself I'm going to do this. And really having the accountability helps me because Amy was counting on me to blog about it. And she wanted me to make a video like, how are you doing halfway through? So I knew you know, I'm going to have to answer to Amy, and I've got to be on the ball. And I kind of felt bad that I did not do it in 90 days. But I think, like, I can be the um, spokesman for the slackers who take uh, over 100 days because I took 101. But, you know, the point is you're reading the whole Bible. So I didn't make the 90 days, but I still – Amy still gave – she mailed me a plaque. Like, you did it. (laughs) So I was really proud of myself, and I just got up. 45 minutes to an hour earlier and just read every single day and if for some reason you know one of the kids got up and interrupted me then I would just know okay I need to finish I need to do this tonight after they go to bed or I would even I would leave the Bible open to my place all throughout the day so like okay maybe I can get this one page in while they're eating lunch or whatever and I think that was good for them to see also right so that example um, mm-hmm. for them I think that's great because um, I tend to poop out around numbers um, yeah, and <laughs> I just <laughs> you know yeah. around all have, the numbers flying around, <laughs> or you know, like and when they're handing out the law, and it's like, and God told Moses, I mean Moses read it, told the people, and then the people did, and like it's the exact same thing three times. Oh my goodness! Yes, um, I know. So, yes, it is on my list. Um, my goal is to read through the whole Bible, and I don't know if I'm going to try to do it in 90 days. Um, yeah, but I I do want to try to get it done this year because you're right. You just it's so it everything flows together and it's 
uh-huh. you know, you really get a whole picture, um, you know, of the Bible that way. And, you know, I have my oldest son is constantly asking me things. I'm like, I've never read that. I don't know. It's like yeah. I need to get on my game. Cause it's like my 8-year-old is <laughs> going to be well-versed in the Bible uh, more so than his mommy is. Um, we can't have that. <laughs> But thank you so much, Connie, for hanging out with us. And I just want to remind everybody to grab um, the deal. Is there an expiration date for the code, Connie? They have a limited time to use it. Um, no, I think I was thinking I'll just leave it up because I, don't people come back to this page? And Yeah, we have lots of downloads and, and visits, and it, it's up forever. Um, okay, yeah, I'll just leave it. Oh, awesome. See, even better. So. Even if you're not listening live, you still get to get in on this great deal, and that information will still be at the top of the page. So thank you, Connie, for joining us. It was so great. Um, Thanks to everyone in the chat room who came out to hang out with us. And I can't wait to um, talk with you guys next month. Next month we have Heidi St. John uh, from The Busy Mom, and she's going to be hanging out with us, and she is a hoot as well. So come on back, and everybody take care. Thanks for joining us for Mommy Jenny's Night. I'm your host, LaToya Edwards, and it's been such fun hanging out with you tonight. Please come back and check us out on our website, Mommy Jenny's Night, for all of the archives of our past shows. And don't forget to invite your friends and set your calendar for the second Tuesday of every month for more fellowship and encouragement.